Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm just kind of smiling right now because <laughs> this is a podcast that there's not really going to be any cuts or any editing and stuff like that to it. But here I am on the first episode, deleting the first take, trying to get all set up. So, But I'm live now, so we're good. So let's get it started. I'm not really going to explain too much about what it's all about, but... This has been a long time coming. I've been, it's been a lot of setup, um, just a lot of things that I hadn't really predicted that would have gone into it, but we've got the website going, we've got it all running now, so it's time to get started. If you've got the vision and you've got the opportunity, you gotta, you got to see that and you got to take it, so here we go. We're going to get started on episode one. This one, I'm not really going to give you guys like a rundown of kind of what it's going to be all about. You will figure that out for yourself as we progress with different episodes, but the first episode is going to be me talking about the, uh, one of the blog posts that I just wrote. So there are two up right now on the website. The first one was just a short one about the Hubble telescope. Um, and the second one though, this one, this is actually part of the reason this podcast got delayed because I was working on this post and, um, really working to, like, it kind of evolved as, as I went um, on and on with it. It turned into, like, pretty much like a full essay. So I'm, I'm probably just going to read that out, this podcast, and, um, and yeah, and, and maybe kind of share some of my other ideas about it after, but I think the essay covers a lot of it. So I'm going to read that out um, on here to start. And yeah, what I do want to tell you guys, though, before I even do get started, is that this is a podcast where it's going to be like developed very much from listener feedback and ideas. So it's not just going to be my own ideas. It's going to be I'm going to be taking a lot of your um, your feedback and your ideas, and then I'm going to try to incorporate those and talk about those in other episodes. So but to start let me read this post so let me pull it up and so yeah guys go to the website that's where you'll find everything you'll find um yeah every single thing you need it's on there i've i've it's been a long time developing this website so check that out please so let's go to the blog on sightfulthinkersmedia.com all the links are everywhere description Instagram, Twitter, you'll find those. So let's pop open the blog. So this one is called On Consciousness and Its Various Forms. Um, so yeah, guys, it's it's kind of funny. There's like a little feature that says it's a seven-minute read on here. So hopefully seven minutes of me um, reading through this, and hopefully you guys don't mind. So here we go. So this was posted three days ago. Electrochemical activity in the brain produces subjective experience. When this activity is modulated during any state other than sober wakefulness, such as during drug use or while dreaming, subjective experience can be markedly changed. In the case of dreams, although there exists an exceptional dissimilarity between cognitive experience and actual bodily experience, this fact often fails to become apparent until one awakens. Seemingly, the neural activity produced during a dream loosens the boundaries for what can be judged as reality during this time. 
Without the ability to recognize that an experience is happening merely as part of a dream, any event that occurs during the dream seems no less real than if these events were actually occurring. It would be difficult to argue, though, that our minds place a filter on what can be perceived only while dreaming. In the cocktail party effect, for instance, we unconsciously perceive background noise at a party only until our name is said by someone in the room. Only then do we consciously hear some quality of the background noise, despite its existence all along. Unsurprisingly, sound is not the only quality we often fail to perceive consciously, despite its ubiquity. For all the value we place in our sense of sight, we cannot even perceive the majority of the electromagnetic spectrum, which is the entire range of light that can be possibly perceived, including the near-infrared wavelengths that creatures like the mantis shrimp can perceive. Clearly, it is not the actual physical reality that determines what is perceived, but rather the perceptual system of the observer, formed through countless years of natural selection. Ultimately, the form of consciousness that is conducive to survival and reproduction in a certain environment is what persists due to the inheritance of genes underlying that form of consciousness. If, due to completely different environmental pressures, humans were more likely to survive with x-ray vision, genes for x-ray vision would have been passed on, since these genes would have afforded increased survival for individuals who had them. In a world such as this, however inconceivable, Superman's special power would be color vision. Scientific research, then, which generates testable predictions about our shared observable reality, is conducted through an ultimately subjective lens. And although this lens is shared among all humans, it can be thought of as subjective when it is recognized that human consciousness is merely shaped by the environmental pressures of a single planet within the universe. In spite of this vast range of human experience, then, our search for objective truth yields only facts denoting to a reality which can be humanly observed. The idea that observations made using the scientific method could be deemed as objective is convenient in a pragmatic sense, and even necessary for our very existence as a species, even if the research is conducted within the boundaries of the human mind. However, a truly objective reality that exists universally, no matter the life form that observes it, may perhaps never be gleaned from the human mind alone. Imagine a calculation which compiled every conscious entity on Earth and created an overall value denoting a total level of co combined conscious awareness, along with all the qualities encompassed by the consciousness on the, that planet. For instance, if we were to take a small subset of our consciousness, like our visual perception of the electromagnetic, electromagnetic spectrum, and combine it with that of the mantis shrimp and other life forms that together see the remaining wavelengths, we would obtain a set of boundaries to denote what could possibly be seen by all organisms on Earth. We could perform this calculation for all other senses and cognitive perceptions that could possibly be made by a conscious organism. The hypothetical set of values denoting all possible levels of conscious awareness could foreseeably be very different from the value representing the collective consciousness found on another planet. This can be hypothesized based on the postulates of natural selection which state in sum that success and survival and reproduction between various individuals is non-random because individuals with various with variations, excuse me, that confer survival and reproduction in a certain environment have a greater chance to pass their genes on to the next generation. Due to the distinct environmental pressures that could have influenced the propagation of life elsewhere in the universe, it seems that vastly different forms of life and hence consciousness could evolve, since other organisms are naturally selected based on the demands of the unique environments in which they respectively live. 
It is not inconceivable, then, to think that an alien species could have evolved a broader level of consciousness than that of humans, or any other known species, giving them a completely altered perception of reality. This altered perception of reality would be altered only in our eyes, though, and would therefore represent an entirely different reality, one which we could never conceive. One must wonder, though, how different an alternate perception of reality could actually be, since all matter is known to be bound by the universal laws of physics. Therefore, the supposed brains of an alien species, different as they may be, are likely to not only be composed of the very matter that follows these universal laws, but also to perceive matter that follows these laws. Could it be the case that consciousness would not differ so greatly in other parts of the universe then? Maybe. But even the physical laws which govern all events in the universe have been determined by the human mind, which can only reason to a certain point about what truly exists in the seemingly infinite expanse of even the observable universe. Like the philosophical conscious alien, certain organisms on Earth may exhibit consciousness so disparate from our own that we may not see reason to believe they are even conscious. Many would postulate that we possess a higher level of consciousness than lower life forms like plants, for example. We can, so it seems, perform a greater array of functions in a wider variety of patterns than these organisms, and we seem to harbor an enhanced ability to manipulate the environment around us. Sorry, I lost my place. But there does not seem to be a reason to believe that our form of conscious perception of the world should be considered entirely or even partially superior to that of other living organisms. Ultimately, referring to plants as lower life forms could even be considered a misnomer. Plants, whatever our perception of them, show to have at least some level of awareness of the environment. Take the Venus flytrap, which snaps only at its prey when certain hairs on its leaves are touched, or the Thale cress, whose offspring are comprised of genes that allow them to respond to the same environmental stressors that their ancestors experienced. <coughs> Excuse me. Other plants curl their leaves in response to touch, and some even grow faster when competitors are near. The Venus flytrap, the Thalecress, humans, and all other life forms evolved on the same phylogenetic tree, meaning we are all, we were all, excuse me, at one stage on the same journey to consciousness. Why then do we not consider all life to have some form of consciousness? It could certainly be argued that although we were once on the same evolutionary course, consciousness did not exist until a certain advanced stage, presumably around the time animals began to emerge. But at what point would this be? Just as there existed the chemical precursors to life, followed by vastly different forms of life, there must have also existed precursors to consciousness, followed by vastly different forms of consciousness. Consciousness may therefore, on at least some level, be inherent to all forms of life. If not, it begs the question, at what point did the lights of conscious awareness turn on? As of now, we do not seem to have any reason to ascribe consciousness to only some forms of life. When we reason about inanimate objects in the universe, for instance, we know that when an object moves, it will without question follow the laws of physics. These laws are universal, seeing as they have been and will be obeyed throughout all time, based on every known scientific observation to date. On the contrary, reasoning about consciousness does not seem to be constrained by any law or theoretical boundary. <coughs> We do not have laws governing the transformation of neural activity into conscious thought, nor do we even have an idea of how this phenomenon, phenomenon occurs in the first place. Without a law denoting what forms of conscious life 
excuse me, without a law denoting what forms of life are conscious and which are not, we may not yet have a basis to delineate conscious life versus unconscious life. Consciousness, then, could be a defining feature of all life. But it is here where we stumble upon an important concern. If all life is conscious at some level, at what point in an organism's development does it become conscious? If the seeds of consciousness exist in complete accordance with the seeds of life, then even in the most incipient form of development, shouldn't all life have some level of consciousness? And at what point would this fundamental level of consciousness appear? As a zygote? As an embryo? After the formation of the nervous system? These are questions which simply cannot be answered at the moment. Frustratingly, the human mind may never become capable of solving its own riddles. Just as the mystery of life itself, consciousness, the very quality that affords us the metacognitive capacity to reason about the matter, remains enigmatic to all those who philosophize about it. Yeah, guys, so <laughs> that's the post. So most posts are probably not going to be like that because I'm, this one, like I, I tend to have a lot of ideas about consciousness specifically, so I was able to actually get them all together, put them into some form of an essay. But in terms of uh, the rest of the blog post, they may not be as long, but hopefully they're still interesting in some way. But yeah, this one I really just wanted to get to the idea of the, kind of the subjectivity of our own uh, mental perceptions. Um, kind of when we re- when we think about our reality, we have to remember that this is our reality. This our our reality is produced from our as a collective species, our specific uh, neural activity in our brain, um, just as a bat. Um, it's 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 its form of consciousness is totally different and and we could probably never imagine what it's like to navigate using echolocation um there is a a great article on consciousness one of the the best ones i guess in this field is thomas nagel i believe it's thomas nagel what it's like to be a bat and he get kind of gets at some of these ideas that i mean just kind of yeah the, the subjective nature of consciousness kind of thing and um it's very interesting to me just how different perceptions of reality could be. And when we think about how, like, all the scientific discoveries we've made and uh, the observations we make, you got to wonder how objective these things really are. Because it is coming from literally our lens, the lens of our eye. And kind of as I mentioned in the article, like... Um, the electromagnetic spectrum, we can only perceive so much of it. So there's so much stuff around us right now, different forms of light that we can't see. And I mean, I did mention in the article, like like x-ray vision, it's not out of the question for a species to have x-ray vision. And I don't know if there are any species that do. I know um, some, I believe, like some snakes, I think, can see UV rays. And as I mentioned, the mantis shrimp, um, what did I say? The mantis shrimp. I think it's, uh, combine it with the mantis shrimp. Sorry. Oh, near infrared. Yeah. So the mantis shrimp can perceive the near infrared wavelengths. And then you've got snakes who can perceive UV rays. So 
there's all sorts of stuff out there that we just cannot see. So <clears throat> as scientists, um, we have to understand that and just understand that we can't over extrapolate our findings and over generalize too hastily. I don't think like, I think it is real scientific research. As I mentioned again in the article, it can be deemed as objective because that is all we know. So obje objectivity really is just based on what we know. So we can't, I kind of played around with the idea that it could be subjective and it is in a sense as a collective species. Yes. But it's, I think it's just very interesting, you know? So right now I'm reading, um, it's called the reality bubble by Tong is her last name. I don't, I'm just going to Google real quick her first name because I want to properly reference her Zia Tong or Zia Zia Tong. So this book, it's called The Reality Bubble, Blind Spots, Hidden Truths and Dangerous Illusions That Shape Our World. So this kind of line of thought got me interested in this book. So I just started reading this book like um, a few days ago, but it's mentioned kind of some similar things about how we do have these blind spots that we have to realize that that are there and things in the world are, are not really as they seem or in the universe. Like, I mean, there's so much mystery about it. And I mean, good on us for trying and sending the Voyager out, trying to get some contact. But man, we only can see like a pinch of what is really out there. And kind of, as I mentioned, like even the observable universe. And I th okay, I'm no astrophysicist or whatever you need to be to understand this stuff but the observable universe i think from what i've heard is light the sp going at the speed of light if it took 13 billion years light would only get from one side like the exit for since the start of the existence of the universe we think it's 13 billion years old or whatever so if the speed of light was going from that point and expanding for 13 billion years at the speed of light, that's the observable universe. So that's only like, as far as we could possibly imagine seeing at the speed of light, that's how far it goes. But that's why the universe is expanding because there's just more, I don't really know, but all I know is that the observable universe is if the speed of light traveled from one side to the other in 13 billion years, that's what could be seen. But seemingly, it's pretty much infinite. So just the idea that we can only see a little speck has been interesting to me for a long time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about astrophysics or uh, <laughs> all that stuff. But anyways, but yeah, I still have ideas about it. And that's kind of the Hubble, the Hubble Space Telescope uh, blog post is like, what did I actually write in that? Because it's very interesting. Like the Hubble, I'll just, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be another podcast or what, but I'll just talk about this one here too. So the Hubble Space Telescope, it, it took a picture called, um, oh my gosh, what is the name of the picture? Get something galaxies, galaxies galore galaxies galore took a picture of so it took a picture of i don't know how it did this but it took a picture of hundreds and hundreds of galaxies in one photo so 
like when you first look at the picture, it looks like it's just a bunch of stars like we would see in the night sky. But when you look closer, each picture or each shot, like ball of light is an entire galaxy. So I don't know how it processed that, how it zoomed out enough or zoomed. I don't understand or zoomed in, but each picture was a galaxy. So Google that, guys. I'm I'm not going to throw it in there. I'm not going to put a thing in the video. I'm not going to do any updating, any any post stuff because it's a podcast as well. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, if it's if you're listening to it on the podcast, I want you to just to be able I want it just to be like that <clears throat> even on video. So but anyways, look at that on your own Google Hubble Hubble Space Telescope Galaxies Galore and you will be amazed because but anyways yeah what i was just getting at is just the the range the expanse of the universe humans i mean we think we understand so much and we do we've made incredible discoveries there have been incredible scientists and frankly geniuses over the years who have developed things that are absolutely essential to our life itself but i mean to think that we even know eh, one percent of the answers of of uh the entire universe is it would be an extreme uh over extrapolation i guess you could say of our own knowledge so yeah we the subjective nature of reality but anyways so i think that was it you heard the uh you heard the blog post and read it read it over i have some references in there you might want to check those out I didn't read the sources out loud when I was, um, when I was reading it here, but yeah, go, go to the website, check that out, check the Hubble Space Telescope blog or whatever, but yeah, so that, and the reason I want you to go there is not just to go get traffic to the website, but I want you to comment, I want you to interact, I want you to share your ideas with me, because one, what I know for sure is that ideas do not come out of thin air they do not you need other people to help you develop ideas like i mean how could i have written this blog post if it weren't for all the the books out there that i've read or my education or all sorts of factors that go into me just being able to create this and it's not just out of my own out of my own mind. So that's why I need you guys to comment, to uh, create a discussion. I'm really going to incorporate um, your comments, and I'm going and also let me know if if anything's not working too. If like the commenting's not working or or whatever it may be, just let me know. Just give me feedback. I just want to hear feedback about anything. Um, let's start a discussion, start a conversation about these things, because it's just me, as you can see. There's no other mic <laughs> next to me, so it's pretty much just me and these. So, yeah, just share it, talk about it, give me some feedback on it. Um, and that's kind of what you'll see. That's what the vision is. It's, it's to create this uh, media outlet of um a, a really open dialogue i think we're missing that today a little bit um creating something where it's an actual conversation and not just people spewing out things and not taking anything back in um to use in their for their material so 
a lot of opinions, a lot of things like this, and there's going to be some of that on here too, but uh, just the idea that um, it's going to, it really needs to incorporate listener comments and to create a conversation. So if you go to the website, that's what you'll find. You'll see, so for instance, the Insightful Thinkers podcast, um, it shares insights into a, a diverse set of topics and incorporates feedback and ideas from the ITM community. So join the conversation and similar with the blog. So um, check that out, guys. This I was excited for this because, and I have been, this has been delayed a little bit, but I was watching um, the BAFTAs, British <laughs> Film Awards, BAFTAs 2020, um, British Academy Film Awards, and there was a guy who acted in Top Boy, and he said something that really sparked me into action with this podcast. Michael Ward, I believe it was. Um, let me just quickly Google again. Michael Ward, uh, BAFTA. He j- he won the BAFTA for, yeah, Michael Ward. So he won the BAFTA for The Rising Star. So the British uh, F- Academy of Film Awards, The Rising Star. And he basically was saying that uh, life did not need to be that way so when he's like life did not need to be the way it was for him because he could have just been who knows he could have been doing bad stuff i don't know what his background was but he was up on the stage and he said yeah guys just see the vision see the opportunity and if you have a vision and you have an opportunity then what's stopping you so i just realized like man i gotta spark it into action so I mean, we're so blessed to to live like in, in North America where we are, and um, not everyone has it this way. Like some, a lot of people, you don't understand. Man. Like some people have the vision, and they just don't have the opportunity. Um, <laughs> some people have the. A lot of people around here have the opportunity, but they don't have a vision, so that's okay. Other people have both, and they don't they just don't want to do anything whether they're lazy or whatever it may be so that that was me for a minute here and I wasn't sparking it into action but I made some changes and I said hey man I've got the opportunity I saw that speech another thing which obviously is was so devastating was the passing of Kobe Bryant and that man that one actually really hurt because but anyways, but yeah, like that just kind of made me realize like life is not promised, man. It's so precious. And if you've got a chance to do something, you just got to do it. If you just got the vision, just go like, don't wait, man, because yeah, just don't wait like you. Yeah. But yeah, sorry to kind of end it on more of a uh, somber note, but because that one was, it was very tough to see that because I mean it's someone you see like someone as great as Kobe could just go like that so like I mean yeah if someone like that could go and he's got all these visions all these ideas and he did it every day like every single day he just did everything he possibly could so that's the way that kind of gives me some piece about his life I guess because you know that's the way he was and he worked like that every day he didn't waste his days and you know, so I, I was like, yo, I gotta, I gotta do something similar to that every day. You never know life is prompt. So just work every day like he did and spark it, 
spark your vision into action. So that's what this is. The vision is here. Thank you for listening in. Um, there's going to be lots more to come, guys. Um, <laughs> again, who knows if there's going to be another essay, like the consciousness one or whatever. You guys might be like, oh, where are all these, where are all these legendary uh, blog posts out? But I don't know, man. <laughs> they might just be short because I just got to kind of keep it rolling now that it started. I can't take a month to do one little blog post to make an episode, but we'll see. You guys will see, and um, hopefully you enjoy what there is to come. So thanks for listening in, guys, and I will see you guys in the next episode.